Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. like video games? Do you like music? Do you like video game music? Then join the Washington Metropolitan Gamer Symphony Orchestra on Twitch. Each week we feature a game the orchestra has performed music from. Our arranger guests will chat about their process, their inspirations, and why game music is so awesome. Check us out every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at twitch.tv slash WMGSO. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 68 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am joined again today by Ray Vargas because it is a spoiler cast this week, folks. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good. Excited to talk about this movie today. Yeah, I, I, it should be a lot of fun. I, we, we've been, the last one I think we did was Rogue One, and, and we had good things to say and bad things to say, but I think both of us are really looking forward to, to pulling Logan apart a little bit. I'm trying and failing to continue my excitement. Uh, <laughs> I watched it last night, and I feel like I've been holding my breath in anticipation of talking about this with you today, so <laughs> I'm a little giddy. Awesome, awesome. Well, before we uh, jump right into the actual spoilering, and I will warn everybody now, we will be spoiling uh, Logan. So if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, go ahead and and hold off on listening to us until you've seen the movie. But uh, before we do that, how have you kept it geek this week? Um, so a couple things, actually. I uh, rewatched. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, this week, um, start, we're, we're starting from the beginning, uh, to, to catch up with all the Marvel movies. Um, and so it was really interesting going back to see that movie. I hadn't watched it since the very first time when, when it came out, it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it holds up, but it's also very clear, or it was for me, how, how far Marvel has come and like how, how much, better they're getting with each movie at, at doing what they do. Um, but yeah, it was fun. And, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on some of this. Um, 
because I, I, of course, did some research and went back and read a couple of articles on the best way or the best order to watch these Marvel movies in. Mm -hmm. Um, And most places that I read, most articles that I read, you know, said go with Captain America, which I ended up doing. But a couple of them said, you know, start just start chronologically and in order of release, which was like Iron Man obviously was, I think, is the first in that respect. Yeah. Um, a couple places suggested Hulk first, which I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know. What, 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 what would your thoughts be on that? I wouldn't pick Hulk ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think it was a better movie than The the Incredible Hulk, I think, was the one with... Um... Edward Norton? Yeah. So you like Ang Lee's Hulk more than Edward oh, Norton? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. The Ang Oh, so Ang they told you to start with Ang Lee's Hulk? No, no, I'm sorry. I thought that's I, – I just added a level of confusion there. No, I was referring to The Incredible Hulk with Ed Norton. So Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's – I would, I would not suggest that, but I think it's better <laughs> than, um, than the, pre than the Ang, Ang Lee one. Definitely. Right, right, right. You wouldn't um, you wouldn't suggest that as a starting point, but you would definitely include it in the run of Marvel movies to watch, right? No, <laughs> no, right. no, nothing, nothing against Ed Norton, but I think um, Mark Ruffalo is is our Hulk, and I think we just keep it that way because he he does it better. I don't think the Hulk is a solo movie character. I right. don't think he can pull it off. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay, for someone who, because obviously I'm watching these movies with someone who this is, you know, their first introduction to these stories and these characters. So jumping into, you know, from Captain America and Iron Man, jumping into Avengers, or I think we'd, we'd do Thor first. But anyway, once we get to Avengers and and Mark Ruffalo and Hulk is introduced there, is it is that... Is there going to be something lacking? You know what I mean? Like, like in terms of a backstory of that character, are things assumed? I, I think things are assumed. I don't think he's as popular as like a Spider-Man or a Superman where he's part of uh, – as as deep a part of the common collective as, right. as some of those characters. But yeah. I, I do think that everybody kind of knows who the Incredible Hulk is, and so you okay. don't need to go as deep into the reference as as okay. you might with some of the other characters, like people aren't going to know who Iron Man is. They will now, but but right. if you right. if really they didn't know anything about him, he would be one that I think would be hard to figure out. Same thing with um, Black Widow or or yeah, Hawkeye. Yeah. But the Incredible Hulk is pretty. I mean, because there was a TV series in the seventies. You say that, Joe, but you know that there are people out there that have no ties to this stuff whatsoever. In terms of pop culture, um, although now I am thinking about that first scene with with him and uh, Black Widow, and I'm wondering how that reads to someone who doesn't know what's coming. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That might be better and like more fun to experience. Yeah, and and I, I think they do a good enough um, job of inserting him in without having to know the backstory, because even though I think the Incredible Hulk was part of the Marvel new launch, like it's considered kind of the, the precursor to the new series. Right. Really nothing before Iron Man needs to be rewatched. But Incredible Hulk came after Iron Man. Remember the stinger? Oh, did it? Yes, it did. That's unfortunate. <laughs> um, 
I do want to mention one other thing that I did to keep it geek this week. Um, and this is a little bit different than, you know, kind of the normal stuff in terms of like consuming media and whatnot. Uh huh. Um, so as some people may know from, from other times that I've been on this podcast, um, I work for the art school that I graduated from, which is Laguna College of Art and Design. I'm a recruiter and an admissions counselor. And part of my job is to go out and, um, basically, you know, give presentations about our school to, to high school art rooms, um, and just talk to students about the admissions process and how to get into art school and stuff. Um, well, one of the things that I've developed is a presentation that in, in which I share my my personal work, my artwork and drawings from when I was a high school student and I show my progression as I went to, to Alcat and started learning, you know, uh, uh, better figure drawing skills or whatnot. And then, uh, I should, I share some of the projects that I worked on while I was at school. And then I even share my stuff afterwards, after graduation, when I became a professional and kind of how that training impacted, you know, the work I was able to do. Um, and and it's my this is my first time showing this to a class and and I did it this week it was really interesting um the reason that I I think this relates to how I kept a geek this week because it was really funny to to go back and look at what I was drawing when I was a teenager and even in college and god I was such a geek like <laughs> so much of what I did just my day-to-day life in terms of drawing or anything that I worked on was somehow some way tied back to superheroes or comic books or some kind of geeky property in some way uh it was it was it was almost like i was like revisiting like my you know my young geek self (laughs) and talking to this this room full of art students in high school and just kind of like going wow i am such a geek (laughs) (laughs) were there any moments where you were just like I can't believe that this. Oh yeah, I did this like like. Oh yeah, Cause, oh, cause I remember you at one. You you your your opinion of Rob Liefeld has changed over the years, hasn't not? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely when I was in high school. I mean, when I was in junior high, that's when Image Comics burst onto the scene, and I remember reading. You know, I picked up the odd Spider-Man, you know, or Captain America issue here and there, or Superman issue, but. It wasn't until I was sitting in art class and it was like a drawing elective class in junior high, like eighth grade. And this kid across from me pulled out this comic book and he's like, oh, you like comics? Check this out. And it was an issue of Cyber Force by Mark Silvestri Uh and just blew me away. Like, obviously, I was into comic books purely for the drawing and the art at that time. So... I didn't really care what was going on, you know, story-wise. Um, and that's changed a lot. But I was just blown away. And keep in mind, I mean, Image Comics, you know, they upped the ante in terms of printing quality, in terms of digital coloring and all that stuff. So, you know, not to mention the artwork was super flashy in and of itself. So um, I was just blown away. And that was where I got the bug. That was where I, you know, said, okay, I've got to visit i've got to seek out a local comic book store where i can go and pick up all this stuff so i was definitely picking up young blood and brigade and all those rob liefeld issues along with you know anything that jim lee put out you know wildcats and and Stormwatch and <laughs> backlash and <laughs> I feel like i'm outing myself right now but that was definitely what i was into and influenced by and so art wise you can see that like i literally taught myself to draw from looking at 
really bad art. <laughs> trying my best to replicate it. And I thought that that was good art. And so I, I shared some of that stuff with the students in class and it was embarrassing. I mean, you know, on, on many levels, because it was also, you know, a, a room full of, I, I don't think there was actually any male students in that class. And here I am showing these like drawings of like roided out, like, you know, uh, 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 superheroes, right? And it just, it just shows like the, the different, um, the different gaze that was in play there, right? Because right. thankfully I didn't have any, I, I wasn't really wasn't into replicating the like super hyper sexualized like female characters, you know? I think at, even, at, even back then at some level I realized like this is just ridiculous, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but it was definitely like that there's this whole thing that was going on there and I was just, drawing that stuff over and over again so even my own characters all looked like really ridiculous like just you know not proportioned realistically at all whatsoever <laughs> um and then even my even once i started to learn how to draw better at, at once i was in art school any assignment that we were given that had any room for interpretation i somehow made it an excuse for me to draw superhero stuff so like if it was like you know Draw um, a human head from your imagination and draw it in four different angles, right? Because we, we have to be able to visualize an object in three dimensions and then turn it in space in our head and be able to draw it from different angles. What did I draw? The penguin. Of course I drew the penguin. Of course it was, you know, a, a Batman villain because that was the thing. Or like um, there was another assignment where um, it was – Imagine this was a really cool assignment from my uh, one of my later illustration classes, and it was imagine the most sight uh, uh, out there. Just uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just crazy course or or miniature golf course hole that you could come up with. Just the most zany, like impossible to achieve uh, a single hole in a miniature golf course. And and draw that, draw it, paint it, illustrate it, basically. And so I, I found my first, you know, kind of a, a thumbnails and ideas on that. And what I ended up settling on was what was what is the craziest, you know, character that I could come up with or think of? And it was the Joker. I, I knew you were going to say the Joker. Like I already had it pictured in my head. <laughs> so of course, I I created like my whole project was based on like if the Joker was designing this miniature golf course in order to like push you know the the people to to insanity what would that look like and that was what ended up being my painting so really like in every way possible i was somehow relating my work back to comic books and back to the geeky stuff that i was into even even in art school um so that that was definitely a way to keep it geek this week and like i just reminded myself of how deep this really goes for me that's so awesome. You you have to when you come back out here, bring that because oh. I want to see I want to see early Ray art stuff. I'll I'll definitely share that stuff with you. Yeah, that, that's awesome. That's very cool. What about yourself? How did you keep it geek this week? I have had the worst commute week of my entire <laughs> existence. Like Tuesday morning, it took me two hours and forty five minutes to get to school. Wow! Not in not, the morning. Oh God, your day started like that. that. That's how my day started. I don't. I think out of because you know going there. If going there is one trip and coming back is the second trip, I have ten trips a week. Jeez. I think this week seven of them were over two hours. Oh man. 
yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, most of those, and if they were over two hours, they weren't just like two hours and five minutes. They were like two and a half hours. Uh, and so, that's brutal. Um, that's the, so brutal. The reason why I uh, I bring this up is because that is the only time I have had to be geeky this week. <laughs> so I tried to take full advantage of it. Um, I I've mentioned on the podcast. I mentioned to you. I'm I'm trying to conceptualize uh this actual play rpg that mm. i want to run and so i've been doing a couple things to try and get that figured out the first thing i did was i was listening to a bunch of conspiracy theory podcasts and i think i've gotten that out of my system for a while <laughs> um because <laughs> uh, i just i went full on but after a while they all start kind of hearing the feeling the same and it's like all right if i have an actual like alien question or something and go dig up one of those episodes but but I've, I've got i've got the basics down so i was like i need i need a storytelling format i need to feel like i can feel what the flow is going to be like so Ooh. i actually downloaded the audiobook for neil gaiman's uh american gods oh nice i love that I, yeah and i i've started reading it multiple times but i i'm a terrible reader i i <laughs> get very quickly distracted by other things, other books, video games, whatever. So it's very hard for me to stay consistent I, when I read. I so hope that there are some students of yours listening to this, Mr. High School English Teacher. Yes. Well, <laughs> when I have to read – well, I even, I even admit to my kids, I was like, you know, did I read every book in high school? Absolutely not. But the difference was is I was in um, honors and AP courses where we had to read 12 books a year. Oh, wow. They yeah. have to read three. I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> Good point. Um, and so, so yeah, so I, I've never finished American Gods. So I'm like, you know what? This is a good way for me to kill some time. It's a book that I'm really excited about. I know there's a ser- series starting in April, I think. Yeah. So I want to, I want to know what's going on. So I'm, I'm, I think to chapter seven because I can only do that for so long before I start feeling myself go into, um. <laughs> You know, my, my, my brain starts to drift off and I can't focus on it anymore. So I've, I've been not letting myself marathon it. I'll, I'll do like a chapter and then I'll switch to something else. Mm. But it's, it's really cool. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I, it's not exactly the genre I'm looking for. And if anybody has any good, like conspiracy theory, urban fantasy novels that they can recommend, please let me know because that's the, the voice I'm trying to kind of channel. But it is good with this kind of multi layers of people working against each other and there's a little bit of a mystery going on and so I, I'm enjoying it and it's it's a lot of fun. So I've been doing that. Um and then I'm I've been listening to a, a podcast called Game Masters Studio, which was started maybe a year, year and a half ago, and it's people talking about the best way to uh, run a game and how to, you know, how to kind of build your characters up and how to deal with players. And since it's been so long since I, I mean, it's been at least six years or six or seven years since I've run a campaign and, um, uh, even longer since I've run anything really extensive. So I'm just kind of using that to brush up on some of my GMing skills and awesome. get this some ideas. Cool. This is what geeks do. We like just so devoted to, you know, whatever it is we're into that we're going to find time. We're going to put in the work 
<laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and then this is the only time I have it, so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get that that into my 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 mindset. I was very excited because uh, Thursday, Friday, I was giving a, a, a test, and so it was kind of just me sitting there proctoring a test. So I'm like, this will be great. I I will be able <laughs> to kind of you know, browse the interwebs a little bit and see if I can get some of my thoughts on into a document and this will be awesome. And then um, they had an event coming up that a bunch of my students needed um, letters of recommendation for. So I literally spent all of Thursday writing letters of recommendation because they were all going to the same place. So I couldn't just like template it. <laughs> it had to be like really individualized. Damn. That's and awesome. so I was like, well, "Damn it! I was I was looking forward to this time to to you know get get some of my thoughts down on paper. So I'm gonna have to find some time to to organize it. But that's that's the plan. That's the stage I'm at right now. All right, what what do I want the the beginnings of the the game to look like, and how do I kind of map out where they can go story wise? Because I'm trying to keep it very. Do you know the difference between railroading and sandbox games? Uh, I would. I'm gonna guess uh, that a railroaded game is where uh, whoever's in charge of of the story or whatnot um, already has kind of a predetermined kind of like uh, a way that the story is gonna unfold. So while little interactions may vary, overall the story is gonna end up the same way no matter what. And the sandbox is kind of more open ended. That's exactly right. And oh, so cool. okay. yeah, per- yeah like, it couldn't have got it any more perfect. <laughs> Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm really excited since we talked about it and you told me that you're working on this. I'm really excited to, to for this to be my first ever role-playing game experience ever in my life. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm, because I know it's a very vast, deep kind of, um, geek sandbox. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Never actually, you know, dip the toe in even, but I'm realizing that just by kind of being like on the periphery, like in terms of like being into other geek projects, uh, or properties, I'm, I'm more knowledgeable or more aware of some of this stuff that, than I gave myself credit for initially, you know? Mm-hmm. You posted a, uh, er, uh, earlier this week on Facebook, you posted some, a, a joke about, uh, some uh, someone uh, uh playing and and picking like a spider like form and then like they roll and then it's like they get like a really like strong attack or something and i i went into that joke thinking like i'm this is going to go over my head but i was laughing my ass off at the end of it i'm like oh i actually totally got that <laughs> yeah i i had to explain it to to matt but even he kind of got like all i had to do was like okay a one is a critical miss you know yep. you're not going to you, you, if you get it you don't just miss you fail completely <laughs> and a 20 is you don't just succeed you succeed and it's epic and that's all you need to know to get that joke that's really cool that you can like say you're gonna do something but then the role of the dice decides how successful or unsuccessful you are at that like that's really interesting and, and i started to see like oh that's how these stories kind of start to take shape and that's where the variation comes in yeah, absolutely. And the the fun thing is is the 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 system that I'm most comfortable running is Marvel superheroes. I actually talked about it early in this this podcast's run. There's a whole episode about it. But um they have like 
different they have like a chart that you compare your role to and so if it's in the red it's a, like a really bad failure if it's in the green it's a really strong success and and there are you know levels in between okay so you know i i like the systems that have a lot of um variation on how successful you are with the roles and i think we're going to run this as a, a gurps game which is the generic universal role playing system and it does the same thing. Uh, uh, it, it gives you kind of like if you beat the role by this much, it's this kind of a success. And I, I just like that because I feel like it opens it up for more uh, storytelling, especially with people who haven't played. And I think most of the people who are going to play, this is going to be their first run through an RPG. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it's going to be a learning It's going to be a learning curve for all of us. But uh, I think really fun or it's gonna be a disaster <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing we'll, we'll you know we'll, we're gonna the, the plan is to to record it all and and then kind of break it up into episodes and release it and if that first run through is just awful <laughs> then we say you know what this was fun but perhaps this is not something that is publishable and then we'll try it again <laughs> it's gonna be so it's gonna be a thing where i have to i have to try to force myself to forget that it's being recorded and just like be in the moment and just, you know, have fun with it. Well, and I, hopefully if I'm doing my job right, it will be, you know, telling a story and people will get engaged. I think the, 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 the scariest thing for anybody who's never played a, an RPG before is kind of the acting component, the idea that you're taking on this character and you're, you're walking them through. And I, I know people will be a little bit self-conscious about that, mm-hmm. but hopefully after a session or two, people will be like, yeah, it doesn't care. This is what my character does. And, they're just gonna do it, you know. That's funny. That's you know what? I'm having flashbacks right now. Um, to back when, God, years ago. So after I graduated art school, uh, for a short time, for a couple years, I worked for Home Depot, and I actually worked as a kitchen designer. Uh, thanks to my art degree. Thank you. Don't ever say that. Don't ever anyone say that our art degree doesn't get you anything. Um, <laughs> but um, my coworker was this older guy who um was kind of nerdy. I I don't mind. You know, I'm not afraid to say. Um. But the better I got to know him, um, I learned that uh, he was massively into this role-playing game that he did online. And uh, the way I learned this was he asked me one time, because I used to always sit at the desk and just sketch and draw and stuff. And he asked me if I would uh, consider drawing an a, an avatar for him or drawing drawing doing a little illustration of his character. And I was like, yeah, man, like I'm always, you know, drawing like these superhero characters and whatnot. And as he started to describe this character to me, I just he got so into it. And he was it was very clear to me, like, wow, he really identifies with this character. Like this is like, you know, really massively important to him. And so um, I ended up doing like a quick drawing for him that I thought, you know, I was like, this is a comp. Like, here's the sketch. What do you think? Like, if you like this, I'll, I'll do a better version of it. And he was just like, this is amazing. I want this. And like, he just used that for his avatar. So now it's like, you know, now that I'm, I'm about to start, you know, kind of give this a try. I'm, I'm having flashbacks to that interaction years ago and going, oh, okay, it's starting to make more, even more sense now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And it's funny because I've listened to podcasts before where the, the ground rule is don't talk about your character's backstory because that's what ends up eating up all the time because you you be like if you play a character for multiple years yeah you get really invested 
And and the the storytelling to you is amazing because you've experienced that with the character, and the person you're talking to is just like I I am not invested in this at all. <laughs> Why are you talking to me about this? So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty standard. My understanding is a pretty standard rule that you don't go deep into your character's backstory with people who haven't played the game because you're just you're just gonna bore people. That's probably a good rule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So that's that's it. That's I'm I'm kind of starting to move into the next phases of actually putting putting things in a document and you know it's conspiracy theory. So trying to figure out the layers of who's doing what and and how it all connects together. My biggest question right now is how I want the characters to start. And I think over spring break I'm going to start meeting with people that want to play and and figure out who those characters are so that I can start. Um, kind of tweaking the story to to include anything that we come up with in their backstories and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to flesh them out too visually. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. All right, very cool. Well, let us move on to our feature, which is Logan. And we both saw the the, the movie last night. Yeah. Um, before we get into the actual plot and all that, uh, I saw it with the new D box seats. Have you tried these? Are those the ones that like vibrate and stuff? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. I've never tried that. Yeah, Matt got the the ticket just or a couple days ago, and because now the the desert has now caught up with the rest of the world and is now <laughs> taking online seating, so wow. that you you already know what what seats you're in and everything, and it's wonderful because the amount of time we've you know gotten there early when there's nobody there or gotten there late when the place yeah. is packed it's just it yeah. just makes life so much easier yes yes absolutely but uh he's like i got d-box seats because i think it would be you know it was a good a good one to try it for that's great i don't What'd like it no <laughs> no i didn't want to i didn't want to like uh i also feel that i wouldn't like it and but i i didn't want to like rain on your parade in case you really enjoyed it so no i I they say it's not supposed to be distracting, but the number of times that either Matt or I thought somebody was kicking our seat, <laughs> what is? Oh, there's nobody behind us. I, like, oh, it's the it's the motion thing. Yeah. Um, where See, it was. I'm, oh, go I ahead. Would, I'm sorry. I would be afraid that it would ruin the movie experience for me. Like it would be too distracting. It, it was just shy of too distracting. It didn't ruin it for me. I I definitely um still enjoyed the movie. When it was most effective was the pans. Like when there was a pan shot, the seat just kind of ever so slightly tilted in one direction. So it felt like you were kind of going with that. That I actually liked because it did kind of give a depth to the experience. Yeah. But like my biggest disconnect was the characters are driving in the bumpy car. I'm not driving in the bumpy car. So why am I feeling the bumpy car? (laughs) Because you're in the car with them, the camera's in the car with them. No, but if you're, but if the camera was on, was a, an external shot of the, the car, we would still feel right. the car. Right. So if it was just, you know, the the inter the interior shots that I felt the car, or if a big explosion happened and I felt the reverberation, that would be one thing. But I think there was enough in there that was just, well, we have got to make sure we make it worth the ticket price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so I think that that's where it wasn't good for me. I would actually prefer them to pull back on them, like use it for the really good moments where it's appropriate, and then just cut the rest of it out. 
Well, it sounds like it would be a great idea for them to kind of build in like a like a a tiny kind of customization option where you can kind of dial up or dial down how much of that you want. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, per chair. I mean, that probably sounds like massively expensive or time consuming, but it sounds like that would be that would make it more attractive for more people. Well, it does have a, a high, medium and low setting, so okay. you can turn it down so that you don't get shaken around as much. OK, but um, it doesn't affect when you get moved around. Right. Like maybe like if you become part of like a club or you buy like a year pass or something, then you have like um, what do they have? Like advanced settings where you can actually go in and turn off the vibration, but keep the pan. And like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Customize it. You can probably do that if you buy one of those chairs for home or something. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was that was just a just a, a precursor to to the uh, the show. Well, let me give you a quick precursor for myself then. We uh, had that nightmare scenario that you just kind of hinted at or described briefly where um, we showed up and the theater was packed. And mm-hmm. my thing is, you know, it's it's I'm down here in Orange County. There's not a lot of places where you can, um, so, you know, select your seating, you know, mm-hmm. Um and and I was kind of torn because of of the logistics in terms of like the day, like like you know getting off of work at a certain time, you know having stuff to do after work, not wanting to stay up super late watching the movie because I knew I you know we had a, a podcast to record this morning, um, and just trying to find the right time. Normally, I prefer not only do I prefer um, being able to choose my seat, obviously, but I also prefer going to later show times because I find that that's when really the like. The people that are willing to stay up, you know what I mean, to watch something like this are going to really be focused on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but with th- this time, because, you know, I didn't want to stay up too late, I was like, well, let's watch an earlier film. And for me, usually that means there's going to be kids in the audience. It's going to be, you know, distracting. There's going to be people talking, whatnot. Um, part of me was kind of interested interested to see if people brought their kids to this film though i'm not going to lie <laughs> matt they did and matt was so upset he's like what is wrong with these parents oh and man. they didn't bother me cuz the kids weren't as distracting to me as they were to him i don't know if it was just cuz i was tired or i was just that much into the movie that i i yeah. it didn't trigger but yeah, no, we, he, that was the first thing he left. And, and my my husband is not a settled man, so he made sure to say it as we were walking out of the theater, in a, a volume that I'm sure several of the parents heard. Right. right. No, I was surprised. Uh, we we went to a 7:30 show, um, and there I don't, to my knowledge, there was not really any or very many kids in in the theater. Um. But of course, we got there, you know, 10 minutes before the show was going to start. And I was all prepared, as I have done in the past, to walk into the theater, see that only the first three rows are free, walk out of the theater and exchange my tickets for a later showing and, you know, just get in line early, you know, mm-hmm, and I was fully expecting to do that. And I walk into the theater and I do a quick scan and I see some empty seats and I'm like, you know, I, I'm that person that I have no problem with asking people like if there's a single seat to the left of like a group of people and a single seat also to the right i'm that person that has no problem with saying hey would you guys mind all moving over one so there's just two seats together you know mm-hmm, what i mean mm-hmm. makes sense and and for the most part i mean i've never had anyone refuse to do that you know maybe some mild like you know kind of like you know irritation that i'm asking but whatever like be be a human you know what i mean like just yeah be- exactly like, just be a person, you know, move over. It's not a big deal. 
Um, so I walked up expecting to have to do that because I saw a couple of empty seats. And so I walked down the center, you know, all the way down this, like, and of course it's the seats that are right directly in the middle. And Mm -hmm. so no one wants to like, you know, uh, uh, interrupt a bunch of people just to get to that center seat. But I went over there and I asked someone, it was a single seat by itself. And I asked, Hey, is this seat taken? And they said, no. And then immediately on the other side of that couple, I saw that there was two seats empty. So I was like, wait a minute. So I went and asked, is anyone sitting there? No one. There was two seats next to each other directly in the middle of the theater that no one had bothered to, like, ask if they were empty. So we ended up getting, by complete pure luck, we got some great seats. And I was like, okay, it's a 730 show. There's going to be kids. There's going to be people on their phone. None of that. So it's Yeah, I know. Like, right? Like, when does that ever happen, right? (laughs) (laughs) It just ended up being like like a really great movie going experience. So I'm really thankful for that. Awesome. Well, this is this is the the capstone film for for Hugh Jackman as as Wolverine. How did it go for you? What, give me the good. Oh man, I'm honestly like ten out of ten. This movie for me, which I even right now like I can't believe that I'm saying that. Um, but I'm trying to ignore how uh, how hyped I tend to get. You know, you know mm-hmm. me. Um, but it doesn't feel false. Like it's, you know, it's, it's been 12 hours and, um, I'm waiting for the excitement to subside for me to kind of go, okay. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't, you know, as great as I originally, and I just know, like, it's not lost any steam for me. Um, uh, even 12 hours later, uh, there's so much that I loved about this movie. Um, so many things, even little things, big things and little things that I thought they got perfectly right. Um, that I'm, I'm blown away. Like I, I, you know, you saw my post where I, all I could say really was this movie has no business being this good. Like, no, it, it really didn't. It really didn't. And I don't, I, I, we, we've talked about how when we go into movies, you go in with ex- ex- expectations very high. Yes. And it very rarely meets those expectations. And yeah. I go it with them very low and, and they tend to always exceed the expectations unless it's a DC film. And um, um, and so I, I think when I saw that you were so excited about it, I was very very surprised because I was like, oh wow. Well, I have to tell you, Joe. I'm I'm part of me was questioning like how hyped, how high were my expectations for this movie because I you know that I'm not a I'm not a fan of Fox's X Men movies. Um, I think that. You know, uh, uh, overall, they can be hit or miss. Although I, I really enjoyed uh, First Class and I mm-hmm. really love X2, X Men United. I feel like those are really the only two bright spots overall. Um, and, and that might be that, that they're benefiting from the overall <laughs> X Men film can. <laughs> I mean, like that they seem brighter because of, you know, how, how much I've dis- actively disliked all the other films, really. Right. Um, so, so I'm just now this movie, Logan has forced me to reassess all of this stuff, uh, uh, because I just enjoyed it so much that I thought, wait, has this whole canon so far of X-Men movies, like successfully, like lowered my expectations, like without me knowing it to where even though I was hyped for this movie going in, maybe I wasn't at like, there was some kind of like subconscious, like reservation, like, okay, if this movie is 
you know, ends up being overall, like overall in terms of like movies that I watch, like all of film, you know, that I, that I enjoy. If this movie ends up being like a seven out of 10, it's still going to be like considered great, you know, relative to other X-Men movies. Right. Right. Uh, I'm wondering if that was the case because, uh, I just, I walked out of that theater just floating like on (laughs) the awesomeness of this movie. Um, I don't know. How did you, how did you feel when the credits rolled? At the end? Um, yeah. I felt like I had emotional responses to this movie. Yes. Like, I, I had emotional moments where I was just like, I don't care if they're playing predictably. I mean, it's not like anything happened in this movie that I didn't expect. Sure. Um, sure. There, there was a couple moments, but I mean, there's nothing that I really was uh, surprised by. Um, but nonetheless, I feel like they hit the moment so well and so right on that, you know, I was, I was still tearing up as we were leaving the theater because it was, you know, just a very emotional ending. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's not, and I think so many movies get this part wrong where you don't have to do something new. You can do something that's done before as long as you do it well. Mm Mm-hmm. And this movie did that absolutely. There were a couple of surprise moments for me, but um, yeah, overall I felt the same thing. I, there was a, a couple of really emotional moments in the film for me, and I, as I was being becoming emotional and tearing up, I was like, also like simultaneously like shocked that, yeah. that like that this movie was able to like elicit this response for me. You know, um, I uh, <laughs> so so let's let's get into uh, uh, more detail here. What specifically? What's one of the things that was good for you? Well, overall, and then this isn't as specific as we probably want to go, but I felt like it was like who would have thought we would have used a Wolverine movie as a character piece? Yes, that's what it was. It was a character piece. There was no like I tried to explain this to Matt that it wasn't that there was a change in Logan. We we know Logan. We know. The character, we've seen him, we, you know, Matt found him very one-dimensional. And I'm like, well, that's because he doesn't have to change. Like, we know who he is. This is simply an exploration of a man at the end of his life. Yes. Yes. And and, and for me, I thought that that was, like, that's got to be hard to do in a superhero film. To do a character piece. I think, uh... Very early on, I, I realized this is a very, very simple plot, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to get this person to this place by this time. And everything else in the story was driven by character. All the mm-hmm. interactions, all of the small scenes, all of the little, you know, even the set pieces were um, intentional and just well done. Because it was all based on the, it, it, exactly. I, I that was my first note was it was a simple plot and amazing character driven stories and, and and scenes. Um, I loved the quiet moments of this film. Mm-hmm. Like they just did such a great job. It punctuated the loud moments. You know what I mean? And the mm-hmm. loud moments didn't have to be as over the top, and they still packed way more of a punch than any, you know, cities that apocalypse disintegrated with the wave of a hand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved some of my favorite moments were the moments where we were allowed to kind of breathe and just sit in this like mood or this, you know, this, this, uh, uh, character, uh, uh, interaction 
um his his whole response to to I just thought they acted their asses off both Oh Jackson my god. Yes. just acted their asses off. All of their interactions were great. You felt this like really old friendship, you know, that had like stood the test of time. There even when they were like cussing at each other, there was affection there, mm-hmm. you know? Um my one of my favorite like uh moments was was when they were in the hotel and they're watching that western and it's not nothing was happening really like he walks out of the room and sees them and they're just sitting on the bed just like chilling and like she's like kind of like playing with the wheelchair and and professor x is just hanging out on the bed and like it's just it was just one of those things that just adds so much overall to the feel of the of the story that i feel like the the confidence that it took for james mangold to like say these things are important. Like it, it seems like a little nothing, a little throwaway, like nothing, but it's so important, you know. My my favorite moments of the film were when Patrick Stewart had Professor X tell Wolverine how much he cared about him without saying it. Like the number of times that he kind of like my favorite scene between the two of them. I'm tearing up as I'm thinking about it. My absolute and the first time I just started losing it during the film was when they're at the dinner table at the the farmer's house, mm. and he's talking about having a school and Logan being a student that got kicked out several times, mm. and just that genuine moment of you can feel the affection that he has for for Logan, even right. though they're beyond a place where they can say it to each other right right i love the scene in the car where he's making sure that he swallows his pills and he's like show me and like it's god like if you've ever cared for an elderly family member you know how much uh uh you know of a child's kind of mentality or 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 reaction comes out of anyone who's having to deal with you know with with an authority figure you know that they're also you know, close to it's mm-hmm. you, you know, that, that feeling of rebelliousness or, you know, or, or wanting to tell off, you know, authority comes out even in a playful way, you know, even when it's, when it seems aggressive or it seems angry, it's really not. And I loved those interactions between them where um I said afterwards, like, it's, it's so amazing to think of, you know, where these characters started, you know, when, when Logan first breaks into the egg or wakes up in the X mansion and is running around and, you know, runs into professor X's office and to see how, you know, he had to be talked into being there and being present and investing in this thing to now the roles are, are almost reversed where Wolverine is, is actively caring for this man, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and now we're starting to get into spoilers folks. So this is it. This is the, the no turning back moment. Oh yeah. Um, Sure. um, When he, when when the X twenty four has has stabbed um, Professor Professor X, X yeah. and and Logan finds him and the first thing he says is it wasn't me it wasn't me it wasn't me yeah yeah I, I just I, lost it just dude, lost it little things like that so good and they did like they did little things to justify plot where they didn't have to um and I just felt it was so appreciated like when um. Uh, the the way they kind of hinted that you know the the accident on the road that led them to to spending the night with that family, um, it's one of those things where I thought, oh, that's convenient, but whatever, mm-hmm. it's not a big deal that that truck was swerving and they, you know what I mean? Right. 
But then there's that little exchange where, you know, the dad, the, the farmer is talking about, you know, how they've been messed with by this company. And so Logan is like, oh, so the accident on the road. And even the dad is like, I mean, I don't know. You know, it could be there's no way to tell. But, you know, like it, it, it would make sense. Right. I just appreciated little touches like that. Little that was also the way they explained, you know, what happened to the X-Men. That was great because they didn't throw it in your face. It was almost like if you weren't paying attention, you would, it would almost go right by and you wouldn't notice that there was, you know, the, the, the reporter or the, or the, the news report on the radio was, was talking about it. And it's just this passing little thing. You and know cut I mean? it, cut it off before you get any details. So exactly. it keeps you, it keeps, it keeps what happened in your imagination. It right. doesn't graphically explain it. We didn't have a flashback of, of Professor X destroying the X-Men somehow. Right, exactly. All these little things were just so appreciated because they didn't beat you over the head with it. It this movie treated the audience uh, 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 in a very you know intellectually respectful way. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I liked the most about this movie was uh, Laura. Yeah, she was she was amazing. Yes, I. Oh my God, her the whole buildup. The whole, you know, she's sitting in, you know, eating her, her cereal by herself and they come in and I love that they don't show that. Mm-hmm. And I, when she walked out, <laughs> I thought, God, it would be so awesome if she was carrying that dude's head, but there's no way they're going to do that. And then they show her and I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's her bag, man. You know, that's still awesome. And then she gets closer and you're like, oh no, that's that dude's head. Like they went there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that. Oh, that was so awesome. The, the way she's so feral. Yeah. You know, like she was hunting them. Like she was in that first scene of or of her, you know, showing what she's capable of very, very clearly. Like she was a, a predator and it was amazing. The, the camera work, the editing just really heightened that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and she was a good little actress. She, yeah. she, you know, she did the the entire most of the movie. She just did everything through looks, mm-hmm. and and that was, I I was impressed. I was very very impressed. Yeah, yeah, same here. I think she did a great job. So, what uh, were some of your your favorite stuff other than what we've already discussed? I love um I love the the subtle way that the Reavers were introduced um. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen the Reavers so far, and uh, you might you correct me if I'm wrong, but um, when uh, uh, that main uh, uh, antagonist character was first introduced, um, I thought, oh, like like they they didn't emphasize the the mechanical the the, the cybernetic enhancements. It just kind of was a matter of fact kind of thing, right. you know. They didn't linger or focus on the fact that they all had some kind of cybernetic enhancement it was just you caught it in flashes it was in the background it was you know what i mean right oh these are the reavers like this is this movie's version of the reavers i was not expecting to them actually for them to actually be named and they were and i was like yes that was awesome you know just in this like kind of like you know matter of fact kind of a uh, a uh, uh, quick nod you know yeah the reavers are not the best you know for for that kind of thing like just just so well handled. It just is so much 
to be said for for understatement and for a su- the, the subtle way in which these fantastic elements of comic book movies can be handled, you know, that ultimately will be really successful. Yeah, and considering how unsubtle the Reavers are in the comic yes. books, yes. like it's that's that's the that's what people don't, might not not understand is like one of the Reavers, at least one of the Reavers, is like a torso on tank treads. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> That's right. They're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Yeah. They've got bad Australian accents, and yeah. they go around like making bad one-liners that make absolutely no sense. The Reavers are horrible characters in the comic yeah. books. Totally. Totally. Um, I loved uh, that the world felt huge. I loved... All of the, um, I loved all, like the setting itself, you know, a lot of it takes place in Mexico. Um, uh, the kids are like multi-ethnic, like there's lots of brown people and like brown kids in the movie. Like it's showing that like there's, there's a, you know, it, it just includes so much more of the world. And unfortunately it's so rare to see that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that all the kids, um, all the X-23, you know, kids, um, they were not like what you think of, like, you know, normally you would see like really thin, like chiseled, like, you know, a uh, 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 young adult characters. And these were kids. These were kids of they, they were shown like in their humanity of all shapes and sizes and and, you know, cultural identities or whatever, like. It just made the world feel big, you know, like it added so much to this idea that we're focusing on this story, but there's a lot of stories out there, you know, and the way that it reintroduces all those characters at the end of the film. And you realize, like, we don't necessarily know how they got there, but they all had their own adventure as well getting there, probably, you know, so the world felt huge. Yeah, and I really I. It's interesting because I thought that they were going to go with um, – uh, w- once I saw that Richter was one of the names on the the list yeah. of, of kids, I was like, okay, is this the beginning of the New Mutants? Right, which would make sense. I think that's what they were alluding to though. Espe- well, especially since Bobby was one of the names, and so I was sure that this is the New Mutants, Like, and I was like, okay, well then – who are Delilah? Who's Charlotte? Like, wh- I don't know those characters, and I know those aren't the characters being tapped for right. New Mutants. So right. I don't think these are the New Mutants, uh, no, which is no. unfortunate. Right. Well, I but I think that's – it was – these kids were – that was the illusion they were building. I don't think directly like, oh, these kids are going to be featured in a movie soon. No, I think it's more like this is the next generation, you know, like right. New Mutants not capitalized. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Um, but I still, nonetheless, was like, like the, you felt so bad for these kids, and you had like they were on screen for such a small amount of time, but you were really invested. Like they did a very good job. The, there were a lot of elements in this movie that should not have worked. The whole uh, video on the cell phone right. background story should not have worked. That, that that's one of those things that we would have. I think in any other movie gone, oh, that was so trite. Oh, that was such so poorly done. Yeah. And so it shows that there's, there's a level of um, kind of grace that a movie can earn if it does other things right. 
You know what I mean? Because when she started and it was just her recording herself on the phone, I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But once they started cutting, you know, into like edits and like obviously there was like other sources of found footage, I was like, wait, how the hell did she like, you know, and I I agree with you. It could have been distracting, but it wasn't. You, you know, the movie earned that from the audience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what I'm trying to go down my list here. Um, I, you know, it's so funny, but, um, Earlier this week, Joe, as I was anticipating uh, having this conversation with you, I started to jot down some quick notes in terms of like, well, you know, where where am I at the beginning of this going into this movie? Where am I in my, in, in, in my feelings uh, towards, you know, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, you know, overall the X-Men movies, whatnot. And um, I started with this idea that uh, I, or I hit on this concept that I wanted to share with you, which if you look at the X-Men movies as a whole so far, they Fox's X-Men universe is to superhero movies as the X-Men comics were <laughs> to comic books in, in that you've got convoluted timelines, uh-huh. <laughs> you've got confusing character histories played by multiple actors you have hit or miss, you know, uh, entries where, where there's a couple of really, really good standout films and then some really horrible ones. And I think if you look at X-Men comics <laughs> as a whole, like in terms of like the Marvel Universe and, and what they occupy, I feel like there's a lot of maybe it's just me, but I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, connections to be made. there. <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely agree. Absolutely. And, you know, like the overall quirkiness of these films. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at, you know, the Marvel run as like, you know, the, these are the mainstream comics or whatnot. <laughs> then you look at the X-Men and you're like, yeah, these are like the the odd, you know, uncanny. You know what I mean? Like Children of the Atom off doing, you know, their, their weird convoluted stop and start storytelling, <laughs> you know, in this corner of, of the of the film universe or whatnot. The only thing we're missing is them going to space. Like that's the Seriously? only thing. With, like like if we if we had a space episode, it would be it would it would have hit pretty much everything it could have hit at this point. Right, right. So I I hit on that, and then I was thinking about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I've never felt that, and and I know you know he's he's done a a great job with it, but I never felt like he fully was the right choice to be Wolverine because when you look at Wolverine from the comics, you know he's he's the underdog, he's the runt. Um, uh, he's, he's difficult, but lovable, you know, and, and I always thought like Hugh Jackman did the best he could for, you know, for, for, for what this character needed and what he could bring to the table. Um, but, but my, literally my notes are overall good, made the character his own, but not really Logan. Um, and, and when I walked out of this movie last night, I said, oh my God, I can't even I don't want anyone else as Wolverine now. Like this is, well, finally, finally we got Wolverine. Like this is what, and, and so one of the cons, one of the few cons that I have listed is that it took them this long to finally get us like a proper portrayal of these characters. Now I have a question for you about that. Is that because of the R rating? Oh man. You know, I wouldn't have said that just straight out, but now that I'm thinking about it, it's 
I mean, what, okay, so what made this an honest portrayal of this character for me? And I have to say it, it was definitely, it, it was, the violence was a big component of that because Wolverine, but, but I mean, we don't, I guess we have seen him be pretty violent in the comics, right? Um, but it definitely was the ruthlessness with which the storytelling was, was laid out. Mm-hmm. But maybe not necessarily the, you know, oh, that guy's eyeball. Like, that's not what I'm talking about when I say violence. I mean, like, the brutality with which the the overall film, like, the aesthetic of the film was very brutal. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, um, it didn't have a lot of sympathy for the audience. You look, this is the reality of what these powers can do. This is the reality of, of a berserker rage. Like, this is what happens. And I think that definitely grounded the film for me in, in terms of his character work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like I said, to, to Matt, Matt does not like violence. So going into this movie, I was like, you're, you're, you're not going to have a fun time tonight. Um, but, you know, that was one of his things. Why did we have to see everything? And I, I'm like, I am, I am of two thoughts on the matter. I think that if you're going to do a rated R movie, comic book movie, then Wolverine is a good choice to do that. Yes. I do think a little bit of that decision to give it an R was because of Deadpool. It's the Deadpool effect. Um, but it, in this particular situation, it was perfectly fine. I think if you didn't show the close-ups of claws going into brains, it would still be a perfectly acceptable portrayal of Wolverine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't think, the, I, as you said, I don't think the the graphic violence of it is what made it. But giving them permission to do the graphic violence, I think, took off some of the handcuffs. Yeah, it created the space for them to deep dive into this character, which is ultimately what that's that's the worth of this movie. Period. Yeah. And so if you don't have that space to do that, then it's very difficult, you know, to even explore. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, having said that, now I want to see an an R-rated version of the Wolverine, the one where he's in Japan. Can you imagine, dude? Like, it would be, it would be crazy. You know, like, I want to see, like, you know, now I want to see them really do, you know, Frank Miller's and, and, uh, Chris Claremont's Wolverine miniseries. You know what I mean? Like, that's, Maybe maybe Deadpool didn't convince them to make this R-rated. Maybe it gave them the final card to play, that final ace in their in their hand that they needed to push it through. You know, um, yeah. uh, I love one last thing I want to I want to mention before uh, we move on is I I love uh, a lot of the so some or or rather some of the the metaphorical stuff that was happening and the symbolic stuff I loved that he had to normally it would be cheesy to fight you know Wolverine against Wolverine you know what I mean like right. that's another thing like the camera the the phone you know video that could be so cheesy and so horribly done and yet I felt like this was really well executed especially when you consider that ultimately his worst enemy was himself and he had to he had to deal with the worst version of himself and the worst elements elements of who he is, which is, you know, his greatest fear is that he's just this killing machine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's, it, it, it was a very literal translation of Logan's struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Just really, I just, God, I love how they pulled this off. 
Yeah, it's like it was magic trick. I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> and I was like, did I just even the way it ended, like with the X, like, oh my god, do tears. Like, oh, I lost it. I lost it. Oh my god. And, I, sh- and I, I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I shouldn't be losing it here. Like, right. it's, it's. I said, I'm gonna have to say that this is a good touch, and I, I, I'm waiting to hear if Ray is gonna go. Oh my god, that was so cheesy. <laughs> no, I totally bought in. It was that the. the the title came up on the screen and I was like, no way I just watched what I watched. Like, how is this possible? Yeah. And then, you know, later on, why haven't they been doing this <laughs> the whole time? Like, oh my God. I hope that this movie gets like a lot of critical praise because I feel like this is what the other stories deserved. You know what I mean? It, it's not going to happen, but there should be there should be award nominations for this. I I thought the same thing. I thought how badass would it be if this thing got you know some really up there nominations? That would be amazing. And and honestly, like it it's deserving of that. I feel like it really is. I honestly think I honestly think all three major actors could be nominated for something just because just because that there there was some damn good acting going on in this film. Just yes. some, just from all three of them. Like Patrick Stewart's amazing, yes. but but he he did some stuff that I haven't seen him do in this this film before. Uh, Hugh Jackman again. Oh it's it's a character piece in a. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, that scene where he's trying to say something about Professor X, right after he buries him, mm-hmm. and he just can't, and the, the camera just focuses on a medium close-up of Hugh Jackman's face and he's just not saying much and just acting the fuck out of that scene. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. just blown away. Because because as we, we've said a couple times in this episode, they, there's so many moments where they say so much by saying absolutely nothing. Yes. It, it's so good. It's so, so good. And like you wouldn't feel the the emotion you shouldn't feel the emotion that you felt in a comic book movie like right. it's it's i i think this has taken the genre to a a new level and i hope that they take the good from it and keep doing it and they don't just try and xerox it i wonder how this is going to play for audiences that are not as invested in these characters as as people like we are you know um or people like us. Um, I feel like uh, I wonder if there's going to be some pushback in terms of like, no, like I don't want a serious like these characters shouldn't. I, I'm not here for these characters to be taken this seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I can see that. I felt a little bit of that in the audience uh, last night, just a tiny bit, you know, where uh, it was kind of like, whoa, this is a downer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I because I think you know these movies are gonna pull in you know audiences. I mean they do they pull in audiences across the spectrum. So um, I can see some people saying where's the big shiny stuff you know uh, where's the big you know shiny set piece villain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just I hope that this movie reaches the people who would normally you know maybe not go in for superhero movies because they're they're a bit too much fluff like. Yeah. I hope that word of mouth brings those people to this movie because I think it's it's it'll be worth it for them. It's it's definitely deserving of that kind of attention. I think I think a good example of of 
kind of audience reaction is Matt last night was like, yeah, because he, 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 he liked it, but he, he tends to be critical about what bothers him. So the, the violence bothered him. He didn't feel like, like Logan changed at all. And like, he shouldn't change. He's at the end of his life. That's, that's why it's an exploration of the character. It's not a see him change from this to that. He's already what he's going to be. Yeah. But it's it's the idea of looking at somebody at the end of their life and and them dealing with that and finding some some way for them to die and leave a legacy or or feel like their life wasn't a waste. Yeah. And um, and when Laura calls him daddy for the first time, oh god, and I'm losing it, and a, the person next to me is losing it, and somewhere off my left shoulder, somebody goes, oh, and it was like it wasn't it wasn't like it was like a full grown man who said ah it yeah. was like you know it it was this it was this moment of just like oh and mac afterwards he goes yeah and then that guy said ah and i'm like really really they've just been killing everybody all day and that's what makes you go ah and i'm like well yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> it's great it's great to see her come into her humanity from you know if you are looking for a character arc there it is laura yeah, she's the one who changes yes as she should be, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the impact of, you know, seeing somebody who's like her and, she, and you can see in her eyes through, through literally no dialogue that she's coming to terms with where she comes from and who she is and, you know, what that means. And, and she's stepping into humanity. His, his last words to her, you know, don't, don't be what they, you know, don't, you don't have to be what they made you, you know, or, or something like that. Or, yeah, or, you don't have to be what they want you to be. Yes. Exa- oh, man. Like, <laughs> that just, that just killed me. That was so brilliant. So well done. And you can see in his face, like, and this is what we're talking about, about those, those acting moments. You can see in his face when he's looking at her and you know he's going to die. He's like, okay, um, this is this is my legacy. This is what I am. Right. This is this is why it was all worth it because I I didn't become what they wanted me to be. It took it was a big struggle, but at the end, this 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 girl is what I was put here to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so it like and again that wasn't nobody said that he didn't he it would have been trite if he was like. Well, I can tell that this is what I was put here to do. No, it was just a look. It was just a, a, a an acknowledgement of her. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it needed to be. Yes, exactly. So good. Such a good movie. So good. <laughs> Anything else? Um, yeah, we well, good stuff. Uh, I can say some stuff that's going to lead me into my nitpicky, you know, cons that I feel, you know, Couple of things that I that I wish had been a little different. Um, do you have anything good to add? No, I think we've covered as much good as we're gonna get. You think we've properly gushed all over? Uh, I th- this- yes, I think people are like, oh my god, move on already. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so as I mentioned before, I love how expansive this world was. I loved the nods to, um, the border patrol scene. Mm-hmm. That the fact that they showed all that, the fact that they showed those guys in his limo chanting USA at people who were obviously being detained because they were immigrants. Um, the fact that a lot of the movie takes place in Mexico, the fact that they covered that, um, 
you know, the, the way that these, you know, experiments were hatched, you know, was through the lives uh, or through the bodies of, of Mexican women that, you know, obviously like nobody cares about, you know, society doesn't care about these people. And there, there was like a very clear, like, you know, statement there, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, um, even, you know, however briefly they're saying, yes, this is, this is reality. And so, you know, this makes sense even, unfortunately, you know, um, I loved all that. I loved that um, a lot of the most, probably the strongest characters overall, you know, in in the movie are women. The, the nurses that are the ones caring for these kids and ultimately saving their lives. Laura herself, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That was all just amazing to see. Um, and and so I think because <laughs> that you know I I got so much of that that I was not expecting that I that I really uh, loved. It led me to some nitpicky stuff that I feel like, you know, oh, I wish that this had based on all of that. I wish that these couple things had been handled differently. One of them was that, um, you know, it made sense that Laura spoke Spanish, which obviously, you know me, Joe, like I fucking lost my shit when she. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think she's I think she she speaks Spanish in the comic books, too, doesn't she? He does. Uh, oh, in the, in the comics, I'm not sure. But I definitely looked up the actress afterwards and read about her. She's half English, half Spanish. And she definitely does, you know, speak Spanish. She's a Spanish speaking little girl. So, you know, um that was amazing. And to me, it made sense that, you know, she spoke Spanish because of where she grew up and who cared for her and whatnot. I was kind of bummed that the other kid didn't at least speak English with a Spanish, with, a, with, with an accent. Mm-hmm. I you thought know, about that, too, especially since that character in the comic books is, I, I believe, Mexican. OK, so see, I didn't know that about that character, but I thought. If it makes sense for this girl and she, they're all from the same place and they all were raised by the same people and cared for by the same people and grew up in the same place, then it would make sense for all of them. Right. You know, doesn't mean it had to be like, you know, fully, you know, Spanish speaking, you know, scenes, but at least an accent, I think would make, would have made more sense for me. Mm-hmm. And then taking that point a little bit further, I would even say, you know, I was a little bit bummed out at the fact that. Um, she was light skinned, although I understand why when you take into account the fact that she's based out of, off of Logan's genetic material, it would make sense that, you know, some of her features would, would, uh, uh, obviously be taken from him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, like, okay, this is, this is good. The next step, I think, then is to like, you know, really include more representation. Um, but I, again, I feel like these are nitpicky because it does make sense if you look at, you know, where she, where, you know, who her father is. Um, but I think the language one is, is I think that that's more, a, a bit more solid criticism. Yeah, absolutely. But that's it, dude. Like, seriously, I was racking my brain last night going, what else can I say, like, to criticize this film? Like, you know, other than the thing that I mentioned earlier, which is, God, why did it take them this long to get this right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's the last Wolverine movie, and now I finally want more Wolverine and, from Hugh Jackman, and, and this is it. Like, man, he – talk about going out on a high note. He crushed it. My my little nitpicky thing is, all right, how long are Professor X's seizures going to be able to go for before heads start exploding? Because if it's this big of a deal – like, seriously, it took him like 10 minutes to get up to him, and it sounds like these seizures are like the most critical, horrible, oh my god, what's going to happen things, Yeah. but yet it took him 
10 minutes to get up to him. And you're just yeah. like, yeah. okay, obviously it's not that big of a deal because if it was, <laughs> you know, there'd be a little I, bit more urgency here. Yeah, yeah. I was Part of me was thinking, did he do that on purpose? Is this something that he can trigger? Like, because it, it really happened at a really convenient time when, you know, but although the stress of that moment might have also triggered that, you know, well, like, they, they, he even said that. Cause he was like, well, you like you, I was trying to, I was trying to stop them. He's like, you weren't trying to stop them. You freaked out and had a seizure. Like, right, right. you know, he calls him out on that. I wish that when, when they make their way back down to the casino, the casino area and people are, recovering i was hoping to see a couple of dead bodies just to, to like emphasize the fact that this is dangerous you know wolverine and laura were able to barely survive this because of their mutant healing abilities but you know people can die from this and i, and I was I, when they first showed that old man laying on the floor i thought awesome like people just died you know because it was a long seizure and then they show him getting up and i was like damn it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so that was that was my little nitpicky thing it was kind of like that the, the the dramatic movement of him having to slowly claw his way to the room, I was like, well, this doesn't – like, the longer this lasts, the less impactful it is. Yeah, that's true. Like, maybe some maybe some nose bleeding from him, maybe some, some other collateral damage to show – to reemphasize the fact that, you know, this is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Or don't start it until he's in the elevator so that he's already almost yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that that was that was my big nitpicky thing. Um, I also didn't quite understand how, because uh, again, very nitpicky. I didn't. Okay, so is his healing factor working? Is it not working? How much is it working? I feel like it was kind of like, well, we need him to be survivable here, so it's working here, but then it's not working there. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit like, okay, exactly how much healing factor does he have left? Because yeah, it's very inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I appreciated that line towards the end where that guy states, like, you won't be able to survive any further damage. Yeah. I was like, okay, that, that re, cause I, I was with, I'm with you there. Like, I was confused to that as well. Like, okay, wait, where is he exactly? Is he about to keel over or is he going to survive another battle because he has to for the story? You know? Right, right, so right, that right. Character was like, you, you're not going to survive further damage. I'm like, okay, thank you. That was a, that was a bone to the audience. Like, okay, we're, we're, we're setting the stakes here, you know? Yeah, this is it. He's done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that, that was it. it There's not much to, to complain about in this film. Uh, it was beautifully shot. It was beautifully acted. It was the, the bad guys weren't bad for evil's sake i feel like they were they you know they had their motivations that weren't boogeyman motivated yeah um yeah no i thought that all the way across the board just a very very strong movie i can't wait to see it again man yeah yeah i'm i'm i honestly would i would consider going back um i would not be able to drag my husband back <laughs> but <laughs> but i think it would be a fun thing to see again to catch some of the nuances and and know what I'm supposed to be looking for and, you know, look up some of the kids' names and see if I can figure out exactly who they're supposed to be or are based on. Yeah. Um, I was a little – and I'm assuming it's because I'm, – I'm bummed because it means Richter is not going to be put into the New Mutants. Um, maybe he is, but I don't see him being put into the New Mutants movie because um, none of the other characters seem to be lining up. I mean, you just, I just can't tell at this point, to be honest with you, Joe, like I'm, I read this as a, um, 
and you know my apologies for crossing brands here but this is like a total like elseworlds like story for me this is because especially with these fox x-men movies like you just can never tell like they're gonna change it if they want to you know and they'll find some way to explain it so to me this was an excellent um an excellent way to tell like a possible future and we both know x-men are you know they're good for that like you know like this is one of many possible you know eventualities you know what i mean yeah no that makes sense and now i'm looking up x-men new mutants and they already have james mcavoy rumored as professor x which means that it takes place in the past not the not in the same look uh logan time frame yeah yeah I, I feel like, to me, James McAvoy is the current Professor X, like, in now times. I don't – that's how I – that's my take on it. It has always been that once they did first class, then what we saw as X-Men 1, 2, and 3 were one possibility, one reality that we have now cast off. So when they did Days of Future Past and then afterwards they did Apocalypse, I was like, yeah, this – we are now in this new reality. Yeah. Uh, so I don't even see. Maybe that's what made me read last night's movie as a possible, because in my mind, we've already cast off that version of of X-Men universe or reality, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. Um, so I don't know, because, I mean, again, we've talked about it. The New Mutants is my absolute favorite X-Book ever. So wow. for, um, you know, and Richter wasn't necessarily a main character in new mutants until they started transitioning into x-force which is a whole thing <laughs> what did you think of that uh little brief deadpool uh <laughs> um uh trailer before right before? I, I thought it was perfect i like it was it was like you knew exactly what was going to happen as soon as he ran in there you know it, yeah. there was no surprises at all but it, it was it was a perfect little hey don't forget that deadpool's still a thing Nathan Summers coming soon. <laughs> that was great. Written on the phone booth. Yeah. Uh, it while I was watching it and enjoying it, it actually made me think of, you know, I remember you broke the news to me that they had lost the, the director. And so I'm watching it going, hey, okay, they they might be able to pull this off and maintain this, you know, this uh uh certain aesthetic and, and you know storytelling uh style that they've that they've already established. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not terrified that it's going to be a problem i it's it's going to be a sequel so yeah. my expectations are automatically lowered just be just out of necessity i think right right yeah cool man this is this is a lot of fun yeah no <laughs> I this is had one of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the first time i think we've both really really enjoyed one of the movies we've covered i mean we've we've enjoyed aspects of it but we've had plenty that we've said okay well we didn't care for this and we didn't care for that and lord yeah. knows we've had plenty of films where we were like oh my god like no <laughs> yeah i think this top civil war i think uh, uh, before this that was the one that we both kind of geeked out the most about but you're right we had more cons for that one yeah and this one this there's hard it's so solid there's hard it's oh. hard to pull things out so good, yeah. I, I'm I'm excited to take my non superhero movie, you know, fans to to my my friends that are not necessarily into the genre to to this movie just to to see them, you know, experience it. Who'd you go with last night? Uh, I went with Ceci last night. What did she think? Because she um, she falls into that category, doesn't she? She loved it. She thought it was really good. Um, she had the same nitpicks that I did. 
Uh, and they were, I think they, they were more pronounced for her, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think because I'm a well-trained geek, I'm able to, you know, search the story elements for justifications for stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, no, she had the same emotional reactions that I did as well. So I think this movie's gonna, I think it's indicative of how it's gonna affect audiences overall. So, um. Yeah, cause she hasn't seen any of the other X-Men movies, has she? Uh, a little bit of, uh, first class and we watched X-Men one, but we, it's kind of been lost in the jumble of, you know, various superhero movies and stuff. So yeah, we're starting over, uh, from scratch with Marvel. And it's funny because it's like, you know, should we even delve into all the X-Men movies? And I remember beforehand, I was like, nah, it's not worth it. I don't really care for them overall. You know, like you've already seen the best ones. Uh, let's just, you know, let's just stick to Marvel. And then walking out of this movie, I kind of gave her like a quick primer on, on Wolverine and his history and his abilities or whatnot. And then, so walking out of this movie last night, I was like, oh my God, like this is the best one. This makes me want to go back and watch X-Men movies. But, um, I don't know that we'll do that. We're going to stick to Marvel because that, you know, I want to be able to, I want us to be able to go and, and watch, you know, Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther and stuff like on the same page. So. Yeah, absolutely. Tough, tough choices have to be made, Joe, as I'm sure you and Matt are. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will have to let me know. The one I'm most excited to hear um, her opinion on, I, well, obviously Avengers, because I think that's just such a phenomenal movie. But um, I'm curious to see what she thinks of Guardians of the Galaxy oh, when yeah. you get to that. That's definitely uh, the, you know, the kind of the gem, the the the, the, the crown jewel that I, I'm thinking anyway that that's going to be a hit or uh, Really, um, I think she's going to go nuts for that. But we'll see. I, I don't want to call my shot here, you know? <laughs> Very cool. Well, do you have any shout-outs? Um, yes, I do. I, I want to give a shout-out uh, to the, the class that I mentioned earlier, actually. Um, it's uh, Miss Jackson's uh, art class uh, at Coronado School of the Arts. Uh, thank you guys very much for having me over this earlier this week. It was a lot of fun to talk art with you all. Um, and hope to see you soon. Thanks, guys. Very cool. I'm gonna. It's been a while, so I'm gonna give a shout out to my husband for sitting through a movie that he was not looking forward to with <laughs> me because he knew it was important for me to go before our podcast. And um, and a shout out to my parents-in-law who took care of the puppy while we were gone. <laughs> nice. Coming up next week, we are going to be talking to Barbara and Bryant Dillon of Fanbase Press. Uh, they are, You will have heard of them from all of our interviews with the creators of Penguins vs. Possums and Hero Hotel and uh, Kinsey and all the different independent comic books that we have been uh, interviewing lately. Uh, they are all um, part of Fanbase Press, and since I've been getting such wonderful interviews through Barbara and Bryant, I thought, hey, you know what? Why don't we get them on and talk about what it's like to run an independent publisher? And so we're going to be talking to them next week, and I'm I'm really excited about that. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. How about you, Ray? Remind us where we can find you. At always, uh, I am at Ray Vargas 
three. So that's Ray Vargas and then the number three. Um, that's my website, rayvargas3.com. And then across social media, uh, that's my username. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, all at uh, backslash rayvargas3. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. We It's been a while. It's been a couple months. And so it's it's always nice to be able to, to completely tear apart a, a film and just get down <laughs> into the nitty gritty. I don't have too many people I can, I can discuss these things with. So I absolutely love it when we get a chance to do it. Yeah, this is great. I feel totally re-energized by, by this movie experience. So I feel like I'm ready and primed for the next, uh, whatever next superhero movie is, is on, uh, on tap. I don't know. Yeah. What, I you know, think the next. I think the next one is. Um, is it Guardians Two? Oh wow! Really? Yeah, it I might think, be. I think so. Yeah, because um, I know the the next big comic book thing coming up is Iron Fist. Oh, on Netflix. That's right. That's really. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the next thing. Cool. Awesome. Can't wait. All right. For all of you listening out there, remember this week. Keep it geek. <laughs>